Hey everybody, welcome back to the Almonds Roth Podcast. The NBA is officially back. We're here on Wednesday morning. Uh, I wanted to talk about opening night, some reactions, and all of the contract extensions. Because the contract extension deadline was, I want to say, the day before opening night. And so because of that, we got all the extensions. Like all the rookie scale extensions, as well as uh, Giannis extending. So let's just start with Giannis, uh, you know, the big boy. Uh, he signed a three-year, $186 million extension, which honestly nobody saw coming. Like, he was talking about possibly leaving, all that. He was really putting pressure on the Bucks, and then they get Damian Lillard. And even after getting Damian Lillard, we're all thinking, okay, that's cool, but he's going to probably, you know, wait see how it goes. He can make more money if he waits till next summer anyway, yada, yada. And instead, he designs that shit right now. So now Giannis is locked up until 2026-27, has a player option for 27-28. Um, he will be 32 in 26-27 that season, so that'll be his age 32 season, um, and he'll be able to hit free agency again to possibly sign one last long-term extension, uh, or maybe even two more medium-term extensions because of the over-38 rule, which kind of makes it difficult, uh, which is why he signed a shorter one now, according to Twitter, right? He signed this three-year so that he could you know, do another one from age 33 to 35 and then like 36 to 38. Because if he had done wait until next year and signed like a five year, then it would have been until age thirty four, and then he would only be able to sign one more deal. Um, and I guess by waiting, he'll make more money on the back end. I don't know. I don't know exactly how this works, but that sounds about right. Uh, the age thirty eight rule does kind of complicate these kind of things. But the point is, is that he extended. Um, now it doesn't mean that he couldn't request a trade or something later on, but I doubt it. You know, he hasn't done that yet. Uh, the Bucks would have to be really bad for me to see him doing that. But anyway, so he's, you know, he's showing his loyalty, right? He just has to, you know, feel like the team is doing good enough, like, in a position where they're good enough to compete, right? That's always what he's been saying, like, on these podcasts, or I guess he was on one podcast. On the podcast he was on lately in these interviews, he just said, you know, as long as I feel like the team is doing their best to try to win, I want to stay, right? So it's more about, you know, the work than the results, which is what, what it sounds like from my perspective, right? Because that's what he did the last time too, where he didn't leave because they traded for Drew Holiday. And he was like, you know what, you've shown, and they traded a lot for Drew Holiday. So he's like, you know what, you've shown me that you're really invested in winning, even if this doesn't work out. Let me sign this, you know, five-year max extension. And he signed it and they won the title that very year. Uh, will they win the title this year? Maybe. You know my feelings, right? I've said I think there's five teams that can win a championship. Uh, no, opening night does not change that. Uh, <laughs> I'm not that reactionary. But yeah, so that's a you know great deal for the Bucks. Obviously, you know anytime you can sign the second best player on planet Earth to a max deal, you do it. So uh, good shit there. Let's talk a little bit about. Um, actually, no, I want to talk a little, little bit more about this. Uh, this is honestly really big for the Bucks because it really did look like he might leave, and now he's aligned with Damian Lillard. Um, and again, maybe this will be the last contract he has with the Bucks. But regardless, that will still have me still mean. The Bucks had 14 years with Giannis, even if he does leave after that. Like, that's huge. Um, he's definitely cementing himself as the greatest Buck ever. Uh, Kareem's time there was just too short. Uh, Giannis is going to end up there with, like, 20,000-plus points. You know, uh, he's going to have all the, the career records. He already has a bunch of them. So I think this is, you know, this is great from Milwaukee, right? They haven't had, like, a player close to this caliber really since Kareem. Uh, I think Kareem was better, but... Um, the other all-stars they've had since then, right, with, like, Sidney Moncrief and Ray Allen, um, those guys, you know, they were really good players, like, Hall of Famers, but they're not, they're not Giannis. Okay, let's move on. 
Um, so Jaden McDaniels, he signed an extension. Uh, this is one of the bigger ones I was looking at coming into the deadline because he's a really good player, but he's also someone who, if the Timberwolves didn't like sign him right now, he could like take a leap and be worth a lot more. So I think this was a good risk for the Wolves. I know some people are saying this is an overpay um, because he averaged like 12 points per game last year or something. And yeah, if Jaden McDaniels, you know, doesn't really develop on the offensive flashes that he had last year, if he, you know, takes a step back, it could be a slight overpay. But his defense is so good that I think it's fine. Like again, it's only twenty. Sorry, it's only twenty-seven million a year for five years. He's like twenty-one or twenty-two. Um, I, I think it's great. I think more likely than not, he's gonna outplay this contract. Like, you just see how much of all these other players are made. Like Jeremy Grant, I think, is a worse player than Jaden McDaniels, if you looked at my top 100. And Jaden McDaniels is making 5 million fewer dollars per year, and he's way younger. So, you know, I think it's a great deal. Um, good thing to sign it now. I think generally teams benefit from signing these extensions now because more often than not, the player will end up, A, either resenting the team when they hit restricted free agency, or B, they're going to uh, end up being worth more than whatever you're signing for them for right now. Like, you look at all these contracts, and besides uh, Devin Vassell, which I think was a little much, uh, and Desmond Bain, which also was a little much, but again, a little much, not nothing crazy. All these other ones, like, the odds of them being cheaper if you waited till the summer are almost non-existent, um, which is why it's good to just do it right now. So, like, Denny Avdia, right, he signed 455, 4 for 55, um, I did think this one was getting done. It didn't seem like it was get close to getting done, but they got it. And again, this is a great deal. This is basically, you know, it's also a descending contract for rebuilding a team. So he makes like 15, you know, in that first year of the deal, but by the end of it, he's making like 10. So again, great deal for Washington, right? So by the time they actually might need the cap space, he's making almost nothing. He'll make like 7% of the cap. Um, and him making 15 million, you know, the season after this one is like no big deal at all either. Um... Yeah, you know, you're kind of just putting faith in the player development. I think Denny's become a really good role player so far. Um, needs to improve his scoring. Uh, his season debut will be today. But, yeah, we'll have to see. Uh, I, I think he can do it. But I've always been a, a big Denny believer. I think his defense and his passing are very legit. Um, I think he can fit on any team, really. But, yeah, the shooting is definitely a weakness so far. Um, not a great finisher either. So we'll see if he can develop any of those. Uh, Onika Kangwu also signed an extension, uh, four years, $62 million, uh, another great value deal, like, he's making less than Isaiah Stewart, when I think he's way better than Isaiah Stewart, like, Isaiah Stewart is, like, the six foot eight center power forward thing, I, I don't know exactly which one he's supposed to be, he's supposed to be a shooter, but not really, um, he's really more of a rebounder, he's not really a great defender, can't really score, so I don't really know what to make of Isaiah Stewart, but Nika Kongu was awesome. He's like a, you know, a great lob catching big, you know, dunks the ball, great rim protector, great rebounder. Um, he's six foot nine. He's a little undersized, but not like super undersized. And I just think he has a clear skill set. I think he's the best center on the Hawks. Um, we'll see if they keep playing him and Capella or if they finally let Kongu, you know, take the reins. Maybe they'll trade Capella. Maybe they'll just bench Capella. Capella's still good. Don't get me wrong. But Kongu, I think, is, is the guy. So, I think he should be the guy. So, yeah, Okongwu, 4 for 62, great value. Again, that is what, 15 million a year? 15 and a half million a year? Like, that's awesome. Uh, Josh Green, 3 for 41. Uh, again, this one this one, and Nesmith at 3 for 33. These are more kind of banking on development contracts, a little bit like Denny, um, where 
I definitely wouldn't say they're quite worth it at that moment. But again, these are really cheap deals, and the odds of them being cheaper if they wait till the summer are low. So you're just kind of because like right now, like they haven't, you know, they've shown like flashes, but that's all it's really been flashes. So uh, I think Josh Green and especially Neesmith, Aaron Neesmith, uh, they need to do a little bit more to really be worth it. But again, Neesmith's like three for 33, 11 million a year. That's nothing. Um, Josh Green's three for 41. That's like 13 million a year. It's just not a lot of money. So uh, if they, even if it doesn't work out, like it's pretty short term and they're easy to trade, so it doesn't really matter. And I think they'll be worth it. It's hard. It's hard not to be worth eleven million a year if you're an NBA player, right? Like, like most players are making more than that. Like, it's basically just a big drop off. Like, you're either like a mid level player or you're a minimum, or there's like this a few slightly above at minimum guys. Like the NBA contracts are very weird nowadays because it really feels like everybody is either you're a minimum player. You're like a $5 million player, you're a 10 to $13 million player, or you're like $25 million plus. Um, I know it doesn't actually work like that, but that's kind of what it feels like. I feel like the middle class is kind of disappearing, and it's just going to become more like mid-level and max, and it's not going to be really anything in between. Um, but we'll see. Because like all these contracts are basically mid-level. And then uh, the last two that we didn't, get to, didn't talk about yet are Cole Anthony at 3 for 39. I think that's great. I think he's already worth that. Um, like as a bench point guard, like that's solid, even if he doesn't improve at all. Uh, and then Zeke Naji at four for thirty-two. Now he hasn't really done anything yet, Zeke. Um, which is why I think that's why they gave him four years, right? It gives you a chance to. If this is an underpay, right? He played uh, yesterday and he looked okay. Um, if this is an underpay, then you you know you're paying Zeke Naji like a good backup center, eight million a year for you know four years, which is really great. And if he doesn't pan out, right, if he doesn't improve, you know, he just keeps being that guy where it's like, oh, we think he can be this, but he's not, then whatever, it's $8 million a year for four years. Like, that's almost nothing. That's easy money to eat up. That's like, what, 8% of the cap, 6% of the cap? It's, it's a very small percentage of the cap. Um, I think it's less. I think it's like 5% of the cap this year. And the following years is going to be even less. By year four, it's probably going to be like 3% of the cap with how much it raises every year. So... Uh, yeah, if I had to grade these extensions, because I may as well grade them. Um, Giannis, A+, obviously. Um, Jaden McDaniels, I'm going to give that an A. Um, don't want to give it an A+, plus, but A. Very good. Denny, 455, I like that one too. I'll give that like a B+. Um, Onyeka Kangu, I'll give that an A. Uh, Josh Green and Neesmith, they'll give them like, you know, B-, minus. both of them. Cole Anthony, I'll give that a B+, plus. and Zeke Naji, I'll give that a A-, minus. or B+. Plus. I don't know. It's so cheap and... It's hard for me to dislike any of these. Again, these are all like pretty good. Um, the only one I really was like, ah, was uh, Devin Vassell, who, again, is a good player, right? He'll probably be good this year and maybe prove me wrong, but the number was just big, man. It was really big. Like, right, it was like five years, 146 mil or something. No, maybe it was more. What was it, five years? I, I forget. It was it was crazy, though. He's making like 31 million a year, which is like, really? Anyway. Uh, let's move on. I want to talk about a little bit about opening night. Uh, this is going to be a little bit of a shorter pod just because I don't have a lot to say. Uh, we'll be back more next week. Uh, back to our usual scheduled time at Monday morning. Um, talk about uh, all the games I'm going to try to watch. There's a lot of games I'm trying to watch. But yesterday were only two games. Uh, so we're going to start with Nuggets, Lakers, uh, the worst game. Um, even not even if you're not a Laker fan, that game was just objectively worse. Um, it was the Nuggets. It was like close for like the first four or five minutes. And then the Lakers forgot how to score. And then the Nuggets were up 14. And then it was just the Lakers trying to crawl their way back uh, the rest of the game. And they would, right? They would crawl back at within five or four. 
then I'll get to push it back to 10, and then the Lakers would do it again, and that happened like three or four times, uh, and then at the end of the game, the Nuggets went on a flurry of threes and won the game. So that's basically the story of the game. Uh, Jokic still looks unstoppable. Um, he has a great chance to win MVP. He was my pick. Um, so we'll see if he, you know, keeps that up. I mean, he probably will. He's awesome. Uh, Jamal Murray was okay, I felt. I didn't really feel like he really stood out. Um, he made some tough shots, uh, took a lot of bad shots. Michael Porter Jr. was pretty ass, uh, besides, like, the fourth quarter. I think he only made, like, one three before the fourth quarter. So, you know, he wasn't great. He was probably really rusty, which is what I figured, because he didn't play off preseason. He had, like, some ankle issue. Um, and then Aaron Gordon was good. He was everywhere on defense and offense. And KCP had 20 points, which I didn't even realize until I saw the box score at the end of the game. Um, I'm usually not looking at the box score during the game. And I didn't really feel like I noticed KCP that much. You know, he had, like, this steal and dunk. He made an occasional jump shot. But I didn't really, like, feel like his presence. I felt Reggie Jackson more, even though Reggie Jackson only had, like, eight points. Um, but then at the end of the game, it said KCP 20 points. And I was like, what? Like, I did not understand where all those points came from. But, yeah, the Nuggets are a machine. Like, they're just so hard to guard on offense, and their defense is honestly really good. Uh, like, you don't think it should be really good. Last year, I think they were, like, the 12th best defense, but they were just insanely, insane defensively. I feel like the Lakers could not get any open looks. Um, they were doing a lot of isolations because it was like, oh, we can't, like, generate any actions. So it was just a lot of iso ball, which is a lot of bad shots. Like, the only players who were making shots were LeBron and Torian Prince. Everybody else was a brick. Like, Anthony Davis had zero points in the second half after having a really strong first half, I thought. So that was really disappointing. Um, Austin Reeves didn't really show up. He didn't do anything. Uh, D'Lo had, like, a good five-minute stretch. And outside of that, he didn't do anything either. Uh, I thought the Lakers' defense was okay. You know, I know they gave 119 points, but, like, a lot of it was just, like, how did they make that? Um, like, KCP made a lot of tough stuff. There was a lot of offensive rebounds, too. Like, a lot of forced misses, and then the Nuggets just get the rebound. Um, the rebounding was horrible. So, that was a problem. Um, so, yeah, I think offensive rebounding, and then the Lakers just couldn't really make shots. That was really the story of the game. Uh, like, the Nuggets probably had, like, a pretty average game for them, I felt. And the Lakers were just really bad. So, you know, if you're playing a team that's probably better than you, and you play below your standards, the odds of you winning are extremely low. Uh, and they didn't win. And it was on the road. Um, and the Lakers haven't won an opening night since D'Lo's second year in the league, so I can't say I'm surprised, even though on Twitter I said Lakers going to start 2-0, whatever, uh, I'm not known for being right all the time, so, uh, it is what it is, Lakers play again Thursday, um, they should come out with a better effort, uh, hopefully they'll win, we'll see, uh, the Suns are coming off a win, uh, we'll talk about that in a moment, but, yeah, um, after seeing this game, does this make me change my opinion on either of these teams? No. Um, it actually makes me feel a little bit better about the Nuggets just because I was like, uh, I don't know about their bench. And I mean, I still don't know about their bench, but it reminded me that, yeah, oh yeah, benches don't really matter. Um, they really don't. Like, you can't have, like, an abysmal bench. Like, it is gonna hurt you at points. But, like, what really matters is your best players. Which is why it was a really a dumb argument uh, years ago with the Lakers when it was like, oh my god, like the role players suck, which wasn't true. But anyway, it was a really dumb argument then. And it's going to be a dumb argument now if you're going to be like, oh my god, the Nuggets only have like five or six real players. And it's like, mm, besides the fact that that's probably not true, right? Like, if all these guys that they have behind Christian Brown, if or Braun, whatever, if all these guys don't pan out, like, they'll just trade for somebody. Um, but Peyton Watson should be fine, like, he, he barely played yesterday, so we'll see, Zeke Naji again, like, those are players who, like, should be playable, we'll see, and even if not in the playoffs, they'll just play those starters 44 minutes per game, 
And that's going to work. It really is. It doesn't necessarily mean you're going to win the title, but it's going to be it's going to be effective. Like, in the playoffs, you can get away with that. In the regular season, yeah, it'll hurt them a little bit, probably, you know, because they'll probably have injuries here and there, too. So, the Nuggets could win fewer games than last year. Uh, I don't remember what I picked for them on the over-under. But, again, the bench does not really matter that much, um, especially when you're staggering Jokic and Murray. Like, whenever Jokic is on the floor for those, you know, 35 minutes a game, the Nuggets are going to be great. It doesn't really matter who else is around him. Uh, we've seen that for years now with no matter who's around Jokic, they're going to be great. He makes every fucking shot. It's so annoying. It's so annoying. It's so demoralizing. Like, open, like you leave him open for three, cash. You know, he posts you up and you triple team him, cash. Um, he does some weird step back uh, shuffle thing, cash. It does not, it doesn't matter. He makes free throws too. Like, he makes every shot. And if you really, really commit to him where you're like, you're not getting a shot off, he's a great passer. So he's going to find some open guy and the Nuggets have good players. So it's going to end up with like an Aaron Gordon dunk or a Michael Porto Jr. 3, or Jamal Murray 3, so it's just, it's absolute hell, it's absolute hell, um, I feel like guarding everyone else is not so bad, but Jokic is just so frustrating to guard, so, yeah, that's why the Nuggets are so fierce, man, like, he is just too tough, um, I thought the Lakers rotations were okay, um, I didn't really see lineups where I was like, oh, that's like a really bad lineup, uh, I thought Jackson A should play more, I want Max Christie to play over Cam Reddish, otherwise, I thought that was fine, um, you know, just, they had a bad shooting night, and the Nuggets defense was really good. Like, it happens, you're gonna have bad nights. Um, so I'm not really stressing about it. Um, so there was stuff to see that, like, LeBron looked great. Um, AD made a three, you know, that, that's nice. Um, yeah, the, the guards didn't really show me anything. Uh, Torian Prince was good. I thought his defense was pretty solid. Uh, he made a bunch of shots. Uh, Christian Wood also looked solid on defense. I didn't feel like he was a problem on defense. You know, he was getting rebounds. I never felt like they were attacking him or it was like, oh my God, get him out of here. Uh, I thought I actually Cam Reddish's defense was pretty good on Jamal Murray. Uh, I think that's probably what he's going to be best at this year is, you know, being like a point of attack defender. But offensively, he's pretty useless. Like, I know he made a three and like a, a layup off a putback or something. He might have scored more than that. I, I don't have the box score in front of me. But those are the shots I remember him making. But I don't know. I just... I don't really believe in him. If he can if he can become a real shooter, then great. Because I think his defense is legit. But we already have Vanderbilt, who's, like, a better defender. And, like, he's, he rebounds. And, you know, honestly, he's probably a better offensive player. Like, Cam Reddish is just bad. So unless Cam Reddish can really show out to be a good offensive player, I'm just not really a fan of giving him minutes. But with Vanderbilt out, we're probably going to need him on Thursday just to throw someone at Booker. Um, even though, again, I don't love that. Uh, we'll see if Bradley Beal plays. Uh, let's move on to the Suns Warriors now. Um, yeah, so a good one for the Nuggets. Anyway, uh, and congrats, I guess, on the championship, because it was the ring night. The rings looked, uh, pretty, pretty boisterous, I have to say. Also, love the NBA championship jump, uh, warm-ups. Every year, the warm-ups that the players wear when they go get their rings. Every team that has, they're always awesome. Like, why is it only a one-night thing? Anyway, Suns Warriors, this was a much, uh, closer game. Uh, came down to the end. It was a much uglier game, too. Uh, everybody was bricking, uh, except for, like, Devin Booker. Uh, besides Devin Booker, everybody was bricking. It was so many bricks and free throws, and uh, I felt like the game took forever, honestly. Uh, I was just kind of upset about the Lakers' loss. I was kind of waiting for it to end. But it was a good game overall, still. Uh, the Warriors, I thought Chris Paul, you know, I, he did miss a lot of shots. Right, shot 4 for 15. Uh, didn't make a 3. But I thought, otherwise, he was pretty good for them. Um, which is, like, kind of expected. You know, he's, like, a pretty good player. I think he's pretty washed. I didn't have him in my top 100. I don't expect him to be a top 100 player this year. 
But yesterday he played like a top 100 player. I thought his defense was good. He had nine assists, uh, but he only had one turnover. Classic Chris Paul. He's going to fit in well there offensively. Again, I think the problem is they're just, just going to be too small like by playing this other guard big minutes. Like the Warriors got out rebounded 60 to 49. Like you you can't win games like that. They almost won, but you can't win games like that. Um like you're relying on Klay Thompson to grab rebounds. I know Draymond wasn't there, but like Draymond's not like a spectacular rebounder anyway. Um uh, even though he's your second best rebounder behind Mooney, like it's a tough spot. Um I just I don't love this roster. Because, again, I do think they're really small. I think they're really unathletic. It's just, like, Kaminga is the only, like, real athlete there. He was okay yesterday. Um, I do like Sarge as a guy who can stretch the floor. Um, so you don't have to play, you know, some multiple non-shooting bigs. And you do have Steph and Clay and Wiggins. You have some good offensive pieces. But I don't know. Just something feels off about this team. Uh, I haven't really liked the Warriors rosters ever since KD left. Like, I liked their 2015-16 teams. Those were really good teams. They had a lot of depth. Steph, Clay, and Dre as your big three. That's awesome. And you had Kevin Durant. That's obviously amazing. But after that, right, they had the injuries. And then they had, like, this, like, the gap year in 2020. And then 2021 comes around. Clay Thompson's not there. And you're running, like, Kelly Oubre and Juan Toscano Anderson. And that roster is obviously garbage. Um, and Steph carries them to almost a playoff berth. Loses two playing games. Um, then 2022, they win the championship. But, again, it was mostly the same roster. They improved a little bit, right? Clay Thompson came back. Um, Gary Payton the second, uh, really developed... Um, Otto Porter was a big part of that team. So again, it's a solid team, but I just felt like they won because it was a weak year in the West. And they basically have like a similar version of the same team for the past couple years since then. Um, like last year and this year, except now they've added Chris Paul, they've swapped out him out for Jordan Poole, uh, which, you know, might be an upgrade for them for this year. Overall though, I think it's a bad trade because I don't think the Warriors are a team that's going to win the title. So if you're not going to win the title, trading your 23 year old guard for the 39 year old Hall of Famer is like... Not the greatest idea. Um, so, again, I don't love it. I just don't love a roster that, you know, lacks as much athleticism, you know, has zero front court scoring at all. Um, it's reliant a lot on three-pointers. And you only have two guys who are really, like, knockdown shooters. You have a lot of other, like, capable shooters. But I don't know, man. I think it's asking Steph Curry to do a lot of legwork. And he can do it, but uh, it's, it's tough, man. This is kind of, you know... It's just a lot. And Steph wasn't great yesterday. Um, you know, he had 27 points on 8 for 20 shooting. Like, he was really struggling. He made a really clutch 3 at the end there. I think when the Suns were up one, 106 to 101? Yeah, that sounds right. And then uh, I think Clay took, like, a bad 3. And then Kaminga tips it out to Steph, who, like, pump fakes someone out of the way. And then sidesteps for a 3 in the corner and makes it and made it a 2-point game. Uh, that was very cool. Um, and he, he was good. I mean, on, eh, I don't know if he was good. He was okay. He had five fouls. Like, he fouled a lot. It was a lot of fouls in this game. A lot of free throws. It was a, a pretty ugly game. He was okay. He wasn't, honestly, he wasn't good enough to win, considering no one else really showed up. Like, him and Chris Paul were the only ones who really did anything. Like, Clay struggled. Wiggins struggled. Um, and you just don't have enough scoring otherwise. Like, Moody was pretty good. But Moody, you know, he doesn't really play that much. Um, Sarge is not really a scorer. He struggled. Kaminga was okay. Peyton doesn't score. Chris Paul, he's not going to score that much. I'm surprised he took 15 shots. That feels like a lot for Chris Paul. Um, if he's going to take 15 shots every game, that's going to be tough. Uh, I just, I don't know if he, I just don't know if he has the legs for that. Like he was, four, he really didn't make a single three. Four for 15 from the field. It's crazy. Good playmaker though. I thought his defense was actually pretty solid. 
Um, he cooked Nurkic on one play, which was so funny. Like, if you're getting cooked by Chris Paul, who's 39 years old, like, he's so slow at this point. Like, it's really embarrassing. Um, but yeah, I just, you know, I think this Warriors are going to be a playoff team, maybe play-in team, but they're going to be in that final eight at the end of the day, like, almost for sure, even though the West is very tough. Um, only injuries would get in the way of that, I think. But I just don't, I don't really see a title path here besides just Steph is awesome and maybe I guess other players are injured. Like, I don't, I don't love the team. I think it's too small. I think they lack athleticism. I honestly think they lack shooting outside of like two players, but that's, that's a lot of a concern. Let's talk about the Suns. Uh, also, something I noticed in this game, I felt like when both team starters were in, the Suns were just better. But when the benches were in, the Warriors looked better. Um, which I guess says a lot about the Warriors bench compared to the Suns bench, because the Suns bench is awful. Um, the plus minus doesn't say that, but that's what my eyes say. That I, I thought the plus minus would definitely agree with me. I'm looking at it right now. It doesn't agree with me at all. Uh, Wiggins had the worst plus minus. I mean, he sucked, but um, I'd have to rewatch the game to figure out that why that happened. Maybe he played a lot of bench minutes. Anyway, let's talk about the Suns. Um, Devin Booker was awesome, and Josh Okogi, uh made a bunch of shots. Um, a lot of runs to the runs to the rim, uh, putbacks, all that stuff. Uh, he's a really good role player. He was someone who I was glad they kept for their sake, right? Good point of attack defender, hustles, hits an occasional jumper. Um, no one else really did anything, honestly. Again, just like with the Warriors, this was a, a lot of bricks in this game. Uh, Durant was horrible. Um, he was 7 for 22. Uh, it felt way worse than it looks. Um, like, I, I thought he was ass. I, I felt like every shot was a miss. Um, he had 11 rebounds, though. Uh, I guess, because he had to. Uh, I thought Nurkic was actually better than I expected, especially offensively. Uh, defensively, he still sucks. He was getting cooked all the time. Uh, but Nurkic, he's a pretty good rebounder. Uh, he's always averaged, like, you know, 10-plus uh, ever since he became a starter. Um, and he can make jump shots sometimes. Um, he's a really bad finisher at the rim, though. He's just not... He's a decent, like, passer from the high post. I don't like him, though. I just think he's just a bad player. Offensively, he's okay. But defensively, he's just awful. And when you're only okay offensively, like, that doesn't really make up for your horrible defense, so I'm not a fan of Nurkic being the center, even though he was pretty good yesterday, he'll have good games, um, it helps that he was playing against, like, Kevon Looney, where Looney's just really gonna get rebounds, you know, Looney's not really someone who's gonna expose Nurkic down low, Curry does, right, but Curry was having an off night, too, so I didn't really think Nurkic had the opportunity to be exposed like that, so, yeah, and again, Durant was terrible, uh, he was probably rusty, you know, same with, like, Steph and AD, whatever. Players are going to have bad games. Um, you know, three of the best players that played today, you know, we're all ass, uh, relatively, to different levels. I would say AD was probably the worst, um, then Durant, and then Steph. Because Steph did that still with 27. So it's hard to say that he was quite as bad as Durant and AD, who couldn't crack 20 uh, and missed significantly more shots than they made. But anyway, Booker was awesome. Uh... You know, I would like to see him take more threes. You know, I feel people say that every year. He doesn't take a lot of threes. The Suns in general are a team that doesn't take a lot of threes, uh, at least last year. This Today, they took 33 threes. Uh, and again, like, they have a lot of, like, pretty good shooters. Like, just take more threes. Um, like, Yuta Watanabe only took four threes. That's a little low. He's a great shooter. Um, Durant took only two threes. That has to go up. That has to go up, bro. Like, you have to average, like, six threes a game. Like, you're too good of a shooter not to take more threes. He took hella middies. Um, Durant is, like, allergic to the rim, too. He's allergic to the rim, and he's allergic to the three-point line. He does not want to take threes unless they're wide open. And then, or else, like, they need a three. Like, he just won't take them. And every time he drives to the rim, unless it's, like, an open for a dunk, he starts, he just fades away once he gets within, like, four feet. Like, I don't know what he's doing. Like, get to the rim, draw a foul. Like, 
you know, make a layup. Like, you're a really great finisher, Kevin. I don't understand why he does that over and over again. Like, it's year 17. I shouldn't expect this to change. But he's, like, afraid of the rim. Um, and Booker, you took eight threes, but like, I honestly want him to take, like, 10 or 11 threes a game. Because, um, again, I think he can do it. And if the Suns can just get up more threes, you know, it'll help them win that math battle. Because it takes so many middies, and I don't love their defense, uh, like, their defensive personnel, like, at all. You know, like, Okogi is cool, but, like, I don't know. I just don't love it. Um, I know the Warriors only scored 104 yesterday, but, like, was that really good defense or was it just a lot of fouls and bricks? Um, like, both teams were just fouling a lot because I think they're both, you know, these undersized teams that can't really defend, so they foul. Um, teams that play the Suns and the Warriors are going to have a lot of free throws. Uh, I know Vogel's there, and Vogel's very anti-fouling, but, and Monty was the opposite of that. Monty was just like, foul if you have to, whatever. Um, but still, they're going to foul a lot. Like, when you're an undersized team that's not going to defend, you're just going to give up a lot of free throws. That's usually how it is. Like, the more physical team is going to outmatch you and get more free throws, which is why the... Uh, for most of the game with the Lakers-Nuggets game, the Nuggets had more free throws because they were the one the teams that was being more physical and defending better. Uh, the Lakers were not. They were getting put out of position. They were getting bodied, so they had to foul. The Lakers at the end got a bunch of free, meaningless free throws, but uh, before that, the Nuggets had more. It was like 12-9 to 9 most of the game. Um, but anyway, in this game, uh, the Warriors had way more free throws because the Suns, you know, fouled like crazy. So it was 28-17, to 17, um, which is kind of funny because the Warriors are also a team that fouls like crazy. Uh, but the Suns really attack the rim. You know, they just take so many jumpers. Um, what was their points in the paint? Uh, 48. Uh, so similar to the Warriors, but only 48 points in the paint and only 33 threes, right? The Warriors took 10 more threes to have four fewer points in the paint. Uh, it says a lot about the mid-range jump shooting on the Suns. They take so many... It's not even just Booker and Durant. Like, all the role players do that shit, too. Like, Nurkic was taking middies, Grayson Allen. You know, Grayson Allen missed everything. Um, just a weird game. It's a weird team. Um, I think the Suns, you know, whenever they're going to be undermanned, right, like they're going to miss Booker or Durant or Beal, they're really, really going to have problems um, because I just don't think, and unless like the role players are hot, they just don't really have a lot of firepower, you know, because they have like two great players, but two great players is not a great team make necessarily. And again, I still think this is one of the best teams in the league, but like Durant had an off night, right? So if Durant has an off night, even if Booker is awesome, that you really need all the role players to be great because you don't have Beal. So, and if those three are probably going to combine for 60% of your points every night, maybe more, maybe 75% of your points every night. Um, so if one of them is out and one of them is playing like shit, so he's basically out, like you need the role players to score more. Like today or yesterday, 108 points was enough to win. Generally for the Suns, that's not happening. Generally for most NBA teams, 108 points is not enough to win. Um, I don't care if you're the best defense in the league. Like, nowadays, 110 is, like, a good defensive rating. That's how the NBA is, which is crazy. So, you got to score 115-plus. Like, you have... If you're not scoring 100... And that's if you're a good defense. So, like, the Suns, who are probably going to be, like, a mediocre defense, you need, like, 120. Like, if you're not scoring 120 points, like, you're probably losing the game. Um, this was true of the Nets, too. Um, those KD Nets teams or whatever. Um, before they got hardened. Then they were really crazy. But, like, the before they got hardened, like, those first few months... Or I guess it was a few weeks. They got hardened pretty quick. Like, they had they had to score, like, 120 points to win games. Um, and this team is kind of like that, too. Because this team doesn't have, like, Nick Claxton, you know, as a rim protector. Like, Durant has to be, like, one of their best defenders. Like, it's... I think it's tough. Like, I just don't really love both these teams. I think the Warriors lack athleticism and size. And the Suns lack... Um, also athleticism and size, honestly. But also, like, just depth, generally. Like, a lot of lineups they run that aren't, like, their big three are not great. Like, every center they run is bad, right? Nurkic is bad, and Eubanks is bad. 
So that's number one. And then, you know, Grayson Allen, Okogi, Gordon, Yuda, those are like the role players who are like are pretty solid. Everybody else is kind of like hit or miss, mostly miss. And so if you're not running lineups like that, you have to run like super small lineups where lineups like look good on paper at least. Um, I don't know. It's tough. I think Vogel's going to have a, a lot of challenges defensively. Offensively, again, they'll mostly be fine because Durant, Booker, Beal, especially when they all play, you know, if two of them have good games, you're probably winning the game. Um, like Durant didn't have a good game and Beal literally didn't play and they won the game against like a pretty good team. So that's promising. Um, I can't look at this game and be like, oh my God, they're horrible. You know, they're obviously not horrible. Um, I thought honestly, this was a pretty solid game for both teams overall. Like if you're a Warriors fan or a Suns fan, you probably have a more positive outlook after today than you did before. Um, even though the Warriors lost, because again, you're just, you're just not going to win every game. Like, I don't think any team's even going to really crack 55 wins. Maybe, maybe the East teams, cause the East sucks. But no West team is cracking 55 wins, I, I think. So, uh, Suns should be happy with, you know, any win, really. Um, but it was a pretty solid win over a good team. And the Warriors, you know, you almost had it despite off nights from basically everyone in no Draymond Green. So, I would be happy there, too. Um, I think they both play on Thursday. I know the Suns play the Lakers Thursday. No, the Warriors play again Friday. They play the Kings uh, in Sacramento. Uh, that'll be a tough game. If Draymond is not there, I don't love their odds. But you never know. And then the Suns play the Lakers in Los Angeles. Uh, they're two-point underdogs. Uh, that should be a good game. Uh, we'll see if Beal plays. Uh, he probably will, knowing that when players see the Lakers on the schedule, they always come back. Last year was ridiculous how much that happened. That usually doesn't happen. But last year, it was just everybody. Everybody came back from injury against the Lakers. I, I honestly couldn't believe it. Um, so if Beal comes back, I guess it starts you know, starts today. Because, man, that was annoying. Um, but that's it. That's really my opening night reactions. Like, I'm not, I'm not really going to overreact to this. Like, all the teams are basically the way I thought they were. Um, I didn't really get a lot of new insight. Like the team that maybe I learned the most from really is the Nuggets because I was kind of, I was kind of worried about their depth. I wanted to see it. And then the Warriors and Suns were both missing a starter. So that was hard to tell, but I wanted to see like how the Nuggets depth looked and it was mostly playing with Jokic. So it doesn't really matter, um, which is what I should have figured, but I kind of didn't think about that. So that's fine. There's so many games on the day. Um, I'm going to try to watch uh, as many of those as I can. It's kind of impossible though. You can maybe watch like four or five. Like, and even that is really hard. But yeah, I'll do my best. And I'll be back on Monday, uh, back to our regular scheduled programming. Uh, had a little bit of uh, off days. Wanted to talk about this. So I waited an extra two days. All right. So I'll see you guys next week on the On Off Podcast. Later, guys.